All right, news roundup information overload hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we had on Jason Chaffetz earlier today, and, you know, we played Rod Rosenstein and people in the Department of Justice. If you put your signature to a FISA warrant, that means you're verifying what it's saying is accurate and true to the best of your ability. Uh, okay, we know that they lied repeatedly. Anyway, as we mentioned earlier, the new IG report shows, yeah, in every single case that they looked at beyond Crossfire Hurricane, yeah, the this, this same type of abuse is going on, and nobody's being held accountable. Now, it's getting worse and worse and worse. You know, Michael Horowitz found that the FBI investigators didn't make sure that FISA applications were accurate. 17 accuracies, uh, inaccuracies, and omissions. Listen. Among the most important are the requirements in FBI policy that every FISA application must contain a, quote, full and accurate, close quote, presentation of the facts, and that agents must ensure that all factual statements in FISA applications are, quote, scrupulously accurate, close quote. These are the standards for all FISA applications, regardless of the investigation sensitivity, regardless, I'm sorry, and it is incumbent upon the FBI to meet them in every application. Nevertheless, we found that investigators failed to meet their basic obligations of ensuring that the FISA applications were scrupulously accurate. We identified significant inaccuracies and omissions in each of the four applications, seven in the first application and a total of 17 by the final renewal application. All right. Now, so now you have the first report of Michael Horowitz totally, completely ignored all the low hanging fruit, all the, quote, referrals for lying, you know, the same type of lying that got, you know, uh, pre-dawn raids, guns drawn, 30 guys uh you know it's it's cnn fake news cameras uh yeah that doesn't happen if you're in the deep state and i'm talking about people that abuse power that were proven corrupt that he even recommended you know and referred for investigations and likely indictments so it probably would happen only if you're a conservative not a liberal anyway now it raises real important questions we were discussing this earlier with jason chavitz and that is Okay, if you're going to lie on a FISA application to spy on a political opponent, I can't support a system that has institutional corruption. You know, we we went into some very specific detail um, about how what Woods procedures are. The Department uh, of Inspector General informing the FISA court about 209 instances of unsupported, inaccurate, omitted information with their sample of 29 FISA applications. I misspoke earlier. The OIG identified an additional 209 instances within that sample. That's a lot. Now, that means that they're not following the law. They're not following procedure. They're abusing power. And on the level, they used it against Carter Page to spy on candidate Trump, transition team Trump, and and President Trump. You can see the ramifications. They don't get held accountable. Well, if this is the way it's going to be in the future, I can't support it anymore. Now, the OIG, Office of Inspector General, did put forward recommendations, you know, establish specific policies, appropriate format, maintenance of the Woods files, which I'll explain legally in a minute, in consultation with, for example, the FISA court, determine how long it's necessary to retain Woods, Woods files to ensure accuracy and oversight. Anyway, I'll let the lawyers weigh in on this. Now, David Schoen, civil rights uh, liberties attorney, uh, Greg Jarrett. He, he was part of our ensemble cast, as was David. 
You know, we spent almost three years of our lives on this. He wrote two number one best-selling books on this. And uh, welcome both of you back to the program. Uh, Greg Jarrett, we'll start with you. I mean, it just looks like the system's corrupt and broken, and they haven't done a thing to fix it. And I don't know what John Durham's doing. The only thing they do is window dressing. Uh, during the first Inspector General's uh, report and his conclusions that found widespread systemic mistakes, many of them intentional. FBI lawyer was indicted for uh, doctoring uh, a particular piece of evidence that was used to gain a surveillance warrant on the Trump campaign. But they, they continue to ignore the, the protocols that were already in place. You referred to them, Sean. Uh, they, they are the Woods procedures, the Woods files. So now Christopher Ray says, well, we'll put new ones in place. There is nothing to prevent Ray and others at the FBI from ignoring any new procedures the same way they did uh, with the Woods protocols. So that's just window dressing when they say we'll change. They will not because under James Comey's watch, he set the standard. Rules didn't apply to them. Uh, under Comey's FBI, they could do as they please. They could ignore the law with impunity. They were accountable to no one. They were a power unto themselves. And the Comey standard still exists. Christopher Ray at the helm is nothing more than James Comey, part two. He promises reform. Won't happen. Let's get your take, David Schoen. And maybe you can go into a little bit more detail as it relates to the very, very specific standards, what a wood file is so people understand it and how it's associated with the universe of the FBI, FISA applications, et cetera. I'll tell you two things. I'll tell you what happened here, and I'll tell you why I don't believe it's going to change. Uh, number one, wood standards came in in April of 2001. The goal of the wood standards is, in their words, quote, scrupulous accuracy in the applications to the FISA court for a FISA warrant, the most sensitive, intrusive kind of warrant and personal surveillance that, there exi that exists. What happened here is in three categories. The Woods procedures require documentation, actual documents for every factual assertion in the application. What they found here is that in four of the files, they couldn't find any Woods files. In three of them, they weren't sure they ever existed, any documentation for the factual assertions in the, in the uh, application. Number two, the report found insufficient factual support in the applications. This might be worse. You might say the first thing is a technical violation. They don't have the documentation. In the second case, they found out of uh, 25 out of 29 reviews, the first four we talked about, the other 25 of them, 20 issues on average per application, and they range from five errors to 65 errors, lack of fa factual support. In other words, they had documents in the file, but when they matched the documents to the representations made in the applications, they didn't match up. The facts didn't support the assertions. 20 per application. And then three oversight mechanisms. They found they have the mechanisms in place, but this is what Greg was just saying. They're not being used. This is what you were saying, Sean. You can have rules in place, but they're not being used. This is a, a, no S, S, uh, assessment of compliance. That's the point of Woods. Woods requires supervisory levels. And it's not just Woods, by the way. The FISA court itself, in Rule 13, requires the applicant to immediately correct any uh, misstatement or omission. There has to be a constant review. Now, and that doesn't happen. We know it now. It's part of the same campaign that happened all through this Russian investigation. We know now from the Durham report and the indictment that the 
Russian hoax, as Greg has called, many have called it, was a function here of a you know, disinformation campaign. Nothing less. Perkins Coy, uh, Mark Elias, Fusion GPS, uh, with the Clinton campaign, for by the Clinton campaign. So we, that's been exposed now that this was something, you know, that just then ends up snowballing. You still see the New York Times saying, well, there is something suspicious about Alpha Bank and Trump and all that. Why won't it change? The number two person in the Justice Department today, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, that's a Weissman crony, came up with Weissman, adjunct teacher with Weissman, etc. That's the number two person in the DOJ. Sussman, the person indicted by Durham. His lawyers, one is a Weissman colleague from the Enron investigation, and the other was a Comey assistant. Those are their credentials. These folks are embedded in the system. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this. What you're, what you're describing and Greg's describing is we have to get rid of the FISA court. And that's sad because that makes this country less safe. The FISA court's necessary because we got hostile regimes, hostile nations, and the government having the ability to listen to these conversations is critical. But if they're going to abuse their power and they're going to politicize it and they're not going to follow the, the law, both the, the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, then, Greg Jarrett, I, I, I can see this now a tool for our safety and security goes away. I have argued for more than two years the FISA court ought to be abandoned. Uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court is nothing more than a rubber stamp of the liars at the FBI that present them with phony evidence. And if these uh, judges on the FISA court that rotate every week actually cared about the integrity of justice, they would have charged with criminal contempt all of the people at the FBI, all of the people who signed off on those four successive uh, FISA warrants with crimes, charged them with criminal contempt for lying, for deceiving the judges, for defrauding the court. But they didn't do it because they are hyper-political. They didn't want to draw attention to their own mistakes. They held no hearings. They simply accepted as truth the lies that James Comey and Andrew McCabe and all the others submitted to them. And so uh, this is a crooked court, and it's an incompetent court. Well, I mean, John Roberts never stepped in to fix it. That's right. I think if I was the judge and I knew I was lied to and there's been enough information to confirm that, I, I would have called them back in and said, how dare you lie before my court and appropriate punishment. Yeah, of course, which is all the more reason why the FISC, as it's known, needs to be getting gotten rid of. And, you know, Congress has the ability to do that. Uh, and they've sort of waffled on the notion. They've talked big about getting rid of the FISC, but they haven't done it. Now, I'm not suggesting we, we don't have any uh, federal intelligence surveillance when warranted, when justified, uh, under, you know, protocols that are well-established, but not with this court. Let's create a new court, or let's just do it the old-fashioned way. Upon probable cause and sufficient proof, go to a regular federal judge. Uh, your take, and, and do you think this survives David Schoen? And where's I John Durham? Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you know, folks have said, but I'd hate to see this court uh, be done away with for the reasons you said earlier, Sean. Listen, I, I find most uh, judges to be rubber stamps. I have a case right now which judge simply rubber stamped a warrant uh, 
took a valuable piece from a person. Anyway, it happens every day. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I, I do know I worry about a re- if Congress has a role in remaking the court, I really worry. Can you imagine if the hate squad got their clause into what the FISA court would look like? We would have applications for relationships only with our allies not with the countries that we really uh, face a risk from. I don't know what the answer is. The answer has got to be a more scrupulous, uh, I think they have to have a special office just in charge of this that's overseeing the overseers. I think the court has to enforce its rules. This Rule 13 means nothing if there's no teeth to it, if they don't enforce it, if they don't use contempt sanctions. And as you said earlier, Sean, and I think any decent, normal federal judge would feel this way, if a federal judge is lied to by a lawyer or an agent that comes before that court, they must demand justice. There have to be consequences. Look, there there has to be at the end of the day. And as we continue with David Schoen and Greg Jarrett, 800-941-SHAWN is our number. We'll get to your calls coming up next. All right, on to Durham. Where do you see this going? I mean, to me, just even missing the low-hanging fruit, that could have been done within the first three months. It's sad that we're at this point. Uh, I can't tell you how angry and frustrated I am, uh, Greg Jarrett, and I know you are too. Yeah, Durham's widening the net. He's closing in on additional people who may be indicted. Uh, you know, it's a crime to knowingly feed the FBI false information to try to frame one, uh, someone, which in this case was Donald Trump. Uh, it was Hillary Clinton who invented the collusion lie to smear Trump, and she was using these lawyers at Perkin Coie uh, Law Firm to disseminate the lie, and they were simultaneously lying to the FBI about their lie. Um, and so I, I think you, there are a brand new set of subpoenas issued by Durham, which tells us he's going after others, perhaps inside the firm. Certainly there should be others outside the firm, Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, others, uh, who did the same thing. And, you know, it's so revealing about the indictment, just how phony the collusion narrative was all along. Uh, people behind it knew it was a fiction. They didn't care. They continued to present it to the FBI and to feed it to the gullible, naive, and Trump-hating mainstream media. It's a story. We'll give you the last word, David. Shall we have about 20 seconds? It's been much too slow. What Mr. Durham has done. He really only now scratching the surface. We know the underlying story enough to know that there should be consequences. One side's called opposition research. The other side accused of obstructing the law. Roger Stone's case, they kept these reports about uh, the Fusion GPS stuff, CrowdStrike, from Mr. Stone. There were reasons for that. Um, it's, it's abominable what's happening. All right, Greg Jarrett and David Schoen, thank you both for being with us. 800-941-SHAWN, our number. When we uh, get back, a live in-studio appearance, John Andrasik, Five for Fighting, uh, Blood on My Hands. This thing has gone viral. It's about abandoning Americans in Afghanistan. It's a powerful. Uh, and we'll tell you, if you're in the New York area, you can see John tomorrow night. He's going to be performing on Broadway. Uh, we'll give you that information straight ahead. 800-941-SHAWN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. Driving liberals crazy. Three hours a day, every day, the Sean Hannity Show is back on the air. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our number uh, if you want to be a part of the program. It is amazing. I've been friends with John Androsik 
from Five for Fighting now for years and years and years. I still have a, a picture in one of my offices of me, him, and Andrew Breitbart from years ago. And I look a lot younger. My hair is a lot darker, which, by the way, everyone's making fun as this is the 25th anniversary week of me being on Fox. And they keep showing these old videos of me. And every time I see it, I get angrier and angrier um, because I, I look like I'm 10 years old and my hair was pitch black. Anyway, um, but this song that he's written about abandoning our fellow Americans, their families, abandoning Thousands of green card holders eligible to live here in this country, fully vetted. Uh, hundreds of th- tens of thousands of Afghan allies that will die. Many are dying already. And all of it so easily preventable. I'm going to let him explain the story to you behind the song in a minute. Um, but John is going to sing it right here live in studio now. Got blood on my hands. Fire. 
Wow, what a powerful, powerful song. My friend, John Andrasik, great to have you back. How are you, sir? Uh, Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me, and uh, happy anniversary, young man. (laughs) Happy anniversary, young man. All right, I'll take the dig. You know, um... We've been friends. We got out, I don't know why we even got out of touch. I have no idea. But you know probably why? Because probably I, I, I had all my email accounts. I didn't have many emails. I had an email account canceled. And then I had um, my phones change constantly. And, and people, my fr- some of my friends think I've, I'm like, I became a snob. And I'm like, no. I said, when you have, you know, 50 some odd pages of FBI 302s by Robert Mueller's team <laughs> on you and you have 1,300 text messages with Paul Manafort and you, private text messages released publicly, you know, your life begins to change. And so, unfortunately, you know, some people assume that, oh, he's just a jerk and I'm not. And I miss some people that I used to be able to talk to more often. But you were one of them and we've reconnected. But this song is taken off. This is now a viral. I'd even say it's it's hitting like an anthem status here. It's gone so viral. Tell me, tell everybody about the whole thing. The whole song start to finish you know sean it's 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 interesting it's a song i didn't want to write and the first song i've ever taken no joy in putting out uh certainly when we saw the initial images out of afghanistan we were all horrified kind of flashback to 9 11 with some people falling from planes and but when our troops were killed uh, our 13 troops and the 100 afghans like you i was just infuriated because it was preventable and like many artists, I went up to my piano and started banging on it, had no intention of writing a song. And then a few days later, after our troops left, I got a call from a friend, and this friend is uh, an amazing woman. She does incredible humanitarian work around the world, and she said, I need a contact. And I said, well, what's going on? She said, well, we're organizing evacs of AMSITs from Afghanistan. And me being, you know, just the, the, the normal citizen, I'm like, what's an AMSIT? She's like, an American citizen. And I... I sat there for a minute and I said, are you telling me that you're risking your life to go rescue American citizens that we left behind? And there was silence on the phone. And she said, yes. And that night I wrote a few verses. And finally, the song wrote itself when the president came out and gave his an extraordinary success speech. And I was insulted, but I had hope because, Sean, you know, like you, I've spent the last 20 years performing for our military. I have great respect for our military. And I expected our generals, General Milley and Austin, to come out and clarify that. Maybe it wasn't an extraordinary success. Maybe we not should not have abandoned Bagram. Maybe we should have extended the deadline. I, I was hopeful for that. But when they came out and echoed the same narrative of what a great airlift we had and everything went according to plan, I realized this was a political operation from the start. And that scared me. And I, I wrote the song. It finished itself. I recorded it the next day, and I put it out. It's intense. It's an emotion and experience I've never felt, even with Superman. There are people, as you said, there are many people who are very emotional. Some are crying. Some are um, obviously um, upset, especially our vets. Uh, I think they're also feeling grateful that someone's speaking their pain. But I think there's other folks there who maybe not uh, initially were, were excited about the message, 
but they were thinking about it. And, and it's resonating because deep down for all of us, every American knows that we have deeply damaged our national honor. We have lost a piece of our soul. And until we have accountability for this humanitarian disaster that we see every day, especially for Afghan women and children. I, I hate to tell yeah. you, we're not seeing it every day. Well, it's almost a full on media blackout. Now, today's day 51 since Joe's abandoned them. I talk about it every day. And you're right. There are many, many heroes that are putting their lives at risk. And by the way, apparently they're now being investigated, according to some reports by the FBI. Why, I don't know. Our State Department has now said you cannot, if you charter a flight with Americans on it, you're not even allowed to land that plane in the U.S. to get people the hell out of there. And if you get a third-party country to accept your charter, uh, that's fine, as long as they don't need a sign-off from Joe Biden's State Department, because that sign-off will not be forthcoming. Those are their words, written words. It's... It's it's the twilight zone. It's it's unbelievable. I talk to my friend on the ground every day. Um, at the same time, with all this depressing news, the American promise is not dead. You are going to tell the stories of some of these American military heroes who have sold all their assets. They've quit their jobs. They've gone down to Afghanistan. They are doing operations as we speak to rescue their brothers and sisters they fought with, some that saved their lives. The American promise is not dead. And you know, this song... It's, it's not just about a song. It's about a moral obligation. There's a history of this country when our leaders fail us, that we take it on ourselves, that we rise up and we do the right thing. And people are doing that. I want people to know that there's heroic work going on. We're going to tell those stories and history will judge Millie, Austin, and frankly, the president. They may not have accountability from their own selves, but history will judge them. You know, you, you told me that in the lead up to singing the song, now that you're out performing again, you you tell a story. You tell the story that you've been telling us, but yeah. you also bring up something that is pretty interesting to me that you wouldn't care well who the president was. This is not no. even a political issue for you. you it, know, and I, I, yeah. I've said it in my own way. I've said if every American that's trapped behind enemy lines, I want even if they're all going to come back to America and try and get me fired, and there are a lot of people that get paid to get me fired, right? I said, even if they're going to try and get me fired, I want them home. They're our fellow Americans. We don't abandon our fellow Americans, John. We don't do that. That's not who we are. That's not the country I want to, I, I believe in. You know, we have this malignancy of tribalism, Sean, that we look at everything through a political lens. I agree with you. Look, it would have been much easier for me to write this song if Donald Trump were president. You know, I'm sure I'd be braced by a lot of folks that are not talking about the song, that are shunning the song. I'm sure there'd be dozens of protest songs, and there should be. This is a great shame. This is a generational shame. And you know what? If Donald Trump was president and we were here and I wrote this song and the names changed, but the song remained the same, I believe you would play it because it's not about politics. It's about the fact we left our people behind. We left our allies, allies behind. There's tens of thousands of SIV holders. You know what an SIV is? It's a promise. It's a promise that we will protect you because you put our lives in our hands and we are abandoning that promise and we can't let that go unnoticed. And we're, you know, you're keeping it out there. Laura's keeping it out there. We're going to do everything we can to get those people out, even if it takes, I won't you say, see, 100 years. I've been years. very reluctant, and, and I've, I've alluded to it as you have. There are brave Americans. There are former special ops guys, yep. Navy SEALs. Yep. Um, there are very generous people that are paying for these planes. From what I've been told, I asked yep. one person, I said, is any money needed? They said, no. 
it's an I, there's no excuse for that, John Andrusik. Yeah, I I talk to my friends on the ground. They are so frustrated with the State Department. I think they're afraid of having something go bad and having a Black Hawk down. But this is American citizens with passports. I was watching the hearings, and General Austin was implying that well, pretty much everyone who's gotten out is, is out. I had a picture of two American citizens with passports on my computer that we were trying to get out, that I was texting people on the Hill that day. And you know what? They got out. Our Republican and Democratic Congress congressmen or senators every day are helping us get people out. I don't understand, Sean. I don't know why we're here. That's why I wrote this song. What is happening? What is happening to America? What happened to our honor? What happens to decency, moral decency? I just don't understand. And that's why I scream it every night, and I'm going to keep screaming it. Well, wait do you see uh, you giving me permission to take a little editorial control of the video portion of this. Oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a risk you shouldn't have taken, but I have it in writing, so you're, you're done. Um, but uh, it's a very powerful song. You're an amazing uh, artist, an incredible singer, an incredible performer, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you on TV tonight. People are going to want to record this. 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox. John, great to have you back and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, buddy. 800-941-SEAN is our number. If you're in the New York area, um, he's going to be performing and he'll be singing Blood on My Hands as well. as all super hits, the, the Riddle and, and Superman and, you know, every big hit he's ever had. He's just an incredible singer, songwriter. Anyway, it's going to be at the Symphony Space. It's in New York City on Broadway, and we're looking forward. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be out there seeing you tomorrow night, and uh, we'll put a link on Hannity.com so people can go see you tomorrow. And if you're a veteran, you get in absolutely free. Just go to fightforfighting.com, Hannity.com. We got a link as well.